Welcome everyone to 1111 Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Haynes, and today I am pleased to have with us Erica Smigelski. Erica is a pure generator. She responds to life by generating energy for others to find meaning in life. She's the host of the Soulful Soundbites podcast and provides practical and relatable ways to nourish your soul. She holds sacred circles that bring women together to nurture themselves through a personal awakening. And as a depth hypnosis and applied shamanic practitioner, she guides individuals to access and heal imbalances within their psyche. I'm so pleased to have you here today. Welcome, Erica. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I want to meet this person you described. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have heard from some pretty reliable sources that she's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start by just asking you what sparked your path to engage in this kind of work? Oh, goodness. It's a... Uh... It's been a journey as is much of life. Um, I'll, I'll keep it, try to keep it simple and, and yet have some depth to it. So I would say when I was younger, I was a thinker and uh, a deep thinker. And I remember at one point I might've been eight or nine years old. I asked my mom, why am I here? And she was puzzled and looked at me and said like here on earth. And I'm like, yes, why am I here? Cause this seems so simple to me. I, I, I didn't think I was asking anything really odd. And I don't remember what exactly my mom said, but it, it, it didn't feel like it was answered. And so there was those kinds of moments that were throughout my life until our daughters were born. And then when they were born, one, I had some reactions that as a parent, I always said I would never do. So I was trying to mm-hmm. quickly unwind what was raveling up as these little blobs of babies were causing this kind of response. I could only imagine what was ahead mm-hmm. if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't look into that. But I even, again, the deep thoughts came up again of like, we have twin daughters. And so I had questions like, why did they come as a pair? And why did they choose us as parents? And I know those are questions, you know, I'm sure I I share with many other new moms, but I wasn't accepting just a, a, a wobbly answer. I wanted something firm. And, you know, after sharing this with several people, all arrows were pointing to uh, my first session of depth hypnosis and, um, and, through that journey of probably a good year and a half or so, I just had some really profound uh, healings and received tremendous insights into our daughters and how we could help them as parents or what they were, why they came and chose us as parents. And it just got to a place where it was, it, it, it sparks something within me to keep being curious and keep pursuing that. And so I began to study those practices, those modalities. And after gosh, six years, I realized, wait, I, I was, I saw how I could be of greater service. And that was becoming certified myself as a depth hypnosis and a shamanic practitioner And that's where it started. And it kind of blossomed after that, that I found like, you know, little nuggets of info were coming to me that I shared on social platforms. And I kind of use this metaphor of them being energetic milk bottles, Mm -hmm. which I borrowed from one of my teachers. It was not something I coined myself, but I love the intent behind it, which is each of my social posts were meant to just be out there for one to receive whoever needed it whenever they needed it. And there was nothing else attached to it. And then there was some info that I wanted to share, but it was too big to fit into a a social post. And that's what birthed my podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, that energetic milk bottles. I really like that. So now you've got that stuck in my head too. (laughs) Um, and I think if I'm understanding correctly, it's kind of when you find something that really 
sparks something within you or, or fuels you or feeds you in a way that then it's there to share with others that it may do the same for them. And then with that, we all can show up a little bit better and brighter in this world. Um, for sure. Kind of in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, I would love to know. I don't know. Um, I know a little bit about what hypnosis is. What is depth hypnosis? So it's, uh, it's a question. It's a really good question. And I'm asked often and it's, um, it's a healing modality that I learned, um, uh, from my teacher, Isaka Charty. And what it is, is it's a blend of using a lot of earth-based wisdom with hypnosis, a little bit of like talk therapy and a whole lot of energy medicine that allows one to go through a guided meditation. And through that guided meditation, they're able to get to that place within them to connect with their higher self or their soul, I like to say. And then we can, uh, then they're at the helm and they're leading the healing so that you can get to the crux of the matter. And sometimes that's through regressions. Sometimes it's a current life. Sometimes it's past lives. And when you can heal at the very root of the imbalance, you can carry that healing forward to this current time. So the healing is rapid, it's fast, and it's deep. Wow. That sounds incredibly profound and i i like that it is a collaboration it's always a collaboration with a healer or a therapist or something like that but the um the meditation piece which i think is you know something i've explored a lot over the last decade myself that that goal of that is really to just be able to quiet all the outside distractions to the point that you can connect with that inner knowing or your soul or your higher self because um, in that state I find that you get some clarity and connect with that intelligence and knowledge that you already have within yourself yeah. you know the the whole idea that well you have the answers within yourself it's like well great but you know can you help me out here but that that it's empowering for you to be able to access that yourself. It sounds like through that process, would that be fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And there's some, you know, accessing ones or connecting with oneself can be daunting and it can be really natural and it's so natural for little kids because they don't quite have all those filters. So, I mean, they live from their inner self. Yeah. And yeah. so they're beautiful teachers. And then, you know, at some point in a person's life, they'll, um, and sometimes not, but sometimes they'll want to reconnect with that knowing. And oftentimes trauma likes to spark that path of, <laughs> to having the courage of finding oneself. And do you find that that's an ongoing process that as we are challenged by different situations throughout life that you may have to go back and revisit some of that healing practice or look at it through a different lens from where you stand um, moment to moment throughout life that it's it's not so much a one and done type of process but um, that we're always evolving therefore our perspective is always evolving and we can view perhaps trauma or just um our life's journey through a different lens and, and that it's something we continue to do on and off throughout life. Yeah. It's, um, it's all of those things and we're multidimensional beings. And so we're receiving info. We're giving off info real time. We don't even realize it. And so when I like to think of when we come in, to this carnation that we have some lessons and some healings that we're meant to accomplish, to become enlightened and to move forward. And sometimes those lessons don't come to us till different phases in our life. And sometimes 
events need to happen to initiate that healing or spur that hunger to heal. So I think all of that said, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process. And when you may heal one thing and may feel there is a balance there that provides you the grounding to then look at something else. Yeah. Yes. You said it better than me. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> but thank you. Yes. I think that's so true. And, and then what um, can you help me and my listeners understand our listeners understand um, what applied shamanic practitioner means? So it's, um, I like to think of it as, you know, I'm not a native of this land, you know, I'm a, um, a visitor of this land. I don't own this land. And a lot of the shamanic processes came from the natives of this land. So I use the word applied shamanic because I'm not a shaman uh, as I, cause I have so much respect for the native shamans and the teachers that they've been. And so the way I, I use, um, those processes are adapted to apply and work today in the way that is rings true with who I am and my place in this world while just having so much honor and respect for the natives. Okay. And so if I'm understanding correctly, like when you say you're a visitor to this land, are you speaking specifically to where we are in North America and that you're not indigenous to North American lands and some of those or maybe any indigenous peoples around the world that you're utilizing what they're teaching, but not as a shaman, but just utilizing their practices and their teachings and their healing modalities. A hundred percent. Okay. Yes. I, I don't own this land. I'm on the Ohlone land uh, of the Ohlone people. And so they had a lot of practices of how they lived harmoniously with earth and, and, you know, many of the indigenous people. And since I'm not indigenous. I just really honor that and, and have, you know, I would add, this just kind of came to me too, is that even if you look beyond just North America and you look at shamans from around the globe over the millennia, there are some similarities and processes that all have used. And those are the processes that I've tried to adapt and work for today. So I wanted to give you an opportunity. I, I know that currently right now you're feeling very passionate about your sacred circles for women. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, gosh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, that it's uh, that kind of came up unexpectedly. The, the intent behind these sacred circles was to bring together women to um, you know, really define themselves through really meaningful conversations that then just naturally lead to meaningful connections within themselves and amongst the other women in the circle. So that was really the intent I had behind creating these circles. And, um, the one that we have right now, it is just, it's so, uh, it's truly magical to hold that space to ground that space and allow people to come to their own realizations and tap into their own wisdoms. It's beautiful. It's humbling. It's just, I have so much deep gratitude to be able to witness that. Sure. I imagine mm -hmm. that's got to be incredibly powerful Yeah, um, individually, but then collectively to see that and and be present in that kind of energy while all these um, women are engaging on their own, you know, spiritual quest or, or clarity that they're seeking or just really owning their own power or whatever it is. I imagine it's a little bit different for each woman, what they go in seeking. Would you say that's true? hundred percent. The, and the one thing I would add that um, while it is, each person's journey, each person's journey is unique to them. They, 
there is this era that we're in this vibrational era where women are returning to their power for the greater good of the collective. And so I feel like women, there's more women who are seeking that their tribe, their community, their home for them to be themselves and to reconnect with themselves and make those bridges within that, with the others in the circle Because even after this circle ends, the energy of that container is still there for them to dip into for whatever they're facing in life. So there's there, they are absolutely bringing in their individual journeys and they're benefiting from the collective, which you touched on, and it always exists for them. So it's in this era is a perfect time for all of that. Well, that um, is a beautiful segue into my next question, which, um, this concept of feminine energy rising has been on my mind for, I don't know, gosh, probably a few years now. I think at one point I had read something that, you know, the Dalai Lama had said civilization will be saved by the Western woman or something to that effect. And I may be butchering that, but that's what has stuck in my head. And, um, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about feminine energy, masculine energy, which exists within all of us. This isn't a gender thing. It's just these qualities um, that are deemed feminine energy or masculine energy. um, And that we all, both male and females, contain both of those qualities and that they kind of get out of whack um, within each of us and therefore collectively become out of whack and or out of balance. And that we've been in a... um, culturally society societies around the globe things have been leaning more masculine energy based on not just men maybe staying too much in their masculine energy but women as well and so I feel like with that idea like that there needs to be this balancing out of masculine and feminine energy within each of us so that collectively we lived a more balanced existence um, throughout humanity that that feminine energy really needs to 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 be coming up within each of us and being honored and it sounds like that's a little bit of what you're getting at with those sacred circles and that it's women who are interested in they're, you know, honoring their own feminine divine energy and bringing that to light in their lives and for the greater good of the collective. Is that fair to say? That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So much. So I don't think I could have said it better. I mean, it's truly all of that, you know, it's, um, I just echo so much of what you have to say and, and, there's there's many prophecies there's many belief systems there's many um i mean from vedic to mayan to hopi that have all predicted and saw this time we're stepping into astrologers even have talked about this time we're going into where the feminine role becomes a really strong necessity in order for us to save the planet, you know, and, and to really, and, and that is to return to mother earth and live in harmony and nurture her and replenish her and use her medicines to heal us and teach us how to live in harmony as a culture. And, and so there's just, um, we're all here to play our part in, in this. So one thing that's been confusing to me within that, and I'm still trying to get clarity around it, and that's why I like to talk about this and hear, you know, lots of perspectives um, for those who also share an interest in this. So it's truly not a a gender thing, right? We have male and masculine and feminine feminine energy within each of us. Um, When I read about it and when I listen to conversations about it, it it often comes back to the gender of females are to step up in this role and really 
shine their unique light and beauty and gift and wisdom into the world. So um, how is it, is it more that this is necessary, this feminine energy rising within women themselves or um, both equally male and female? What are your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, it's, um, I, I see I'm talking to a deep thinker as well. And this <laughs> is a, a kindred spirit here, but um, I think it really is both. And I think that as women, it's reclaiming our, our power and our energy, that femininity in a way that doesn't have to be contained or modeled in a way that's quoted as acceptable. So that's, you know, as a woman individually, that is certainly a part. And I would say, and men too, because they have learned from, you know, society and their parents and, you know, the structures that we have in place that they need to, you know, have a strong presence and they need to help put process in place and to fix things. And, and so that for them, it's more of softening of, we will always need structure. We will always need process, but when there's a softening to it, I feel like that's the male, that what we need the males to do. And I even think of the CEO of Patagonia. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, that's a beautiful way of a male empower to have, to make a statement that causes a shift. I hope it'll cause a shift where other business leaders will follow suit and realize how important it is for us to change our ways and to give back to mother earth. And so that's how I see like a, the male's role. That's a really good example of, of that. I think, because if you think about it, um, you know, masculine qualities are that driven, that task oriented, the structure and strength. Um, it takes all of that to create a huge successful business and a great product line that Patagonia has, has become um, that, that I don't think that could have happened without the masculine energy that needed. I mean, that's really obvious. And I think, you know, the feminine energy qualities, um, I know like being connected to earth, um, being nurturing, um, you can still be powerful and fierce, but in a way that is graceful, I guess, is the way I look at it as far as that. And there's, you know, other attributes that could be listed under masculine energy or feminine energy. But when you think about Patagonia, there is that creativity. There is that outside the box thinking. There is that connection and and reverence for earth that was part of the business model. And so it really is a beautiful example of that balance of masculine and feminine energy that work to create this amazing business, right? So taking that almost like in a microcosm way into each of our individual lives that it, you know, I, I think it's, easier for for women who are who have this on their radar and in their mind to then um, with the support of others who are like-minded and in a space that they feel comfortable and supported to be able to tap into that feminine energy more and start honoring it not that it's easy because it still takes courage because it's been one of those things I think we've been taught to stay quiet about or it's been not taken seriously, or we have doubts about it, or um, we don't want to look like a, a weirdo, or we don't have the confidence, or whatever it may be. I think all of that has been um, kind of pushed down to be covered up. Um, and so I do think now with, with conversations like this, and with those sacred circles that you're holding that we are creating an environment that women feel more comfortable and more courageous to start looking at this within themselves. I don't think that's as true for men because I think there's still so much this idea that it's weak or it's, you know, um, somehow they're, they'll be judged as less than as a man. And 
I don't know that I can speak to how to shift that perspective in men because I don't fully understand how men's minds work or what it's like to be in their shoes. So um, I don't know if you have anything that you think, like any ideas, how, what, what it will take for men to be open to this and really start um, recognizing the significance and importance and overall benefit of that if, if more men were to kind of incorporate and embrace some of their feminine energy qualities. Yeah, gosh, I, you know, I wish there was sort of a magic wand to, to wave and make it friendlier and more welcoming for men to voice the feminine feelings they may have or the qualities they may have. And so I, you know, when I think of ways to help nurture that and create a space for that. I'm a bit at a loss because I'm not sure, you know, to your point, I didn't grow up and with that mindset. So it's a little interesting, but, you know, just when I think of it as, you know, the, our daughters and their peers and their classmates, and I think for the younger generations that are coming in front of, behind us, that are coming, they're not stuck on this. I think this is an older generation issue because I see in their classes that often some of them don't identify as a gender. They don't say masculine or feminine or boy or girl, you know, and no one's asking each other, are you a boy? Are you a girl? I think it's, you know, the older generations and, and even for myself to a certain degree of realizing gender is different than the masculine and feminine. And when you think of it as it's also um, mixed together, I kind of thinking like you have pink and you have white and when you blend it, it's pink. But then when you try to pull out pink or pull out the red, sorry, when you have red and you have white and you blend them together to make pink, it's hard to say, how do you bring more white into the red when it's already mixed? And I feel like that's sort of this view of the younger generation. They're not sort of thinking that things are red or things are white, that everything's just sort of pink. It's a tricky one. I'm not sure I have a really clear cut answer of how to, you know, create that fertile place for men to feel safe and welcome to step into their feminine tendencies or their feelings or, and, and have feel, feel safe in doing that. You know, it could be just starting at home. It could be trying to teach that to their children. It could be perhaps even practicing that to their parents. Yeah. And I think sometimes so, <clears throat> even without it having to be named as this is what I'm doing, you know, um, that can be honored or you find balance within, we can each find balance within ourselves, regardless of any gender identity. Um, things like the creative process, you know, um, things like connecting with nature, things like meditation, those are all, um, practices or ways of being that are in the feminine energy yeah. so you know I think even if we encourage and teach people to honor those things and make those behaviors those activities those ways of being a, a more um, consistent practice in one's life that that's really what will help make a shift regardless if someone's aware of it or not. Would you agree? A thousand percent. You know, those are creativity is huge. Um, and sometimes just going through that exercise, you know, a person can feel new ways of feeling. And yeah. that can just, it, it may not even quite have a name if, if it's feminine or masculine, but then it might just sort of naturally surface as it surfaces. 
Yes, I do think the creative, just the creative process, that's just one little thing um, to talk about, but the creative process itself, the exercise of whatever it is, just being in the creative process, I believe is um, not so much what you're creating, but the practice and process itself, and that that is an exercise in connecting to that which is greater, whether it's one wants to call it God, the universe, divinity, um, source. I I think it is a way, like, I believe we're all one and the same anyway, but it's a way to kind of clear that channel to allow the flow to become unblocked of that divine energy. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. It does fully. And there's, you know, there's something quite sacred uh, between the relationship of creativity and women or the feminine energy, you know, that there's, again, both role, both um, physically, both um, energies combined to create, but then to be that channel for that creation to evolve and morph into another realm is something a woman holds and experiences. And I feel like that is opens up a whole nother portal to creativity. And even if you've never birthed a child, being able to creatively hold that concept and allow that to move through you in, a, in, the, in the right container and, and held in the right way can help one access a source of creativity that comes from a place that, as you say, we, is bigger than us. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot to think about in a way, you know, like just um, the word birth, rebirth, birthing process, all of that, you know, is is beyond just the actual um, us as an animal giving birth to a newborn, but um, us as beings giving birth to a new way of being. And yeah. I think that's where we are right now is in this rebirth process as humanity um you know and with this concept and um practice of feminine energy rising to create that rebirth that is so desperately needed because we are completely out of whack um as a species as humanity our relationship with each other our relationship to ourselves our relationship with with mother earth i feel like has gotten so off track and off the rails that um it's really there's so much unnecessary suffering as a result of it um and that this is the time to get back to really seeing and connecting with the greater picture in a way that is healthy and of light and and the goodness. Um, I don't know where in history of, of earth and humanity and such that it got so off kilter. Do you have any ideas about kind of where that started to shift and when and why? So I'll share, there's, there's many, um, ideas around that and many different approaches to answer this question, but I'm going to go with this one um, that follows uh, Vedic beliefs. And I'm going to try to summarize this in, in, in layman's terms to make it digestible. Um, but their belief system is there's um, four cycles of existence and each one is about 6,000 years. And so the first phase, if you will, or this first cycle is living in complete harmony with mother earth. 
you respectfully consume whatever you need, never in excess, you're living peacefully. There's just this um, beautiful, it's beautiful balance of, of being. The second phase of the next 6,000 years is the need to start to communicate and make connections with other communities. So it's, you know, building those connections and starting to barter and trade and starting to have some of those quote masculine tendencies of let's have a system here. There's some rules that we need to have as we are in that same space together. And then that third phase in their belief system, that next 6,000 years is where it's like, we need to put more, there's, there's more of us now and we need more. We need to put some systems in place, some structures in place in order for us to be able to, you know, live with ease. And, you know, there's even start a hierarchy of ways of living of who's in charge, who makes decisions and what, how much you get of this. And the last phase of this system um, is, is the fourth phase and the last 6,000 years. And that's where it's living completely out of balance. Everything you've described earlier, we've created friction amongst the tribes, if you will. There's, it's a hard time um, to, you know, connect with people and we've built, we've built ourselves to live in isolation. We're not in that harmonious tribe necessarily. We're not counting on that. Like we once did. We're over consuming everything over consuming structures over, you know, systematized overeating, overindulging, over structured hierarchy and decision that that's even So that in order then for that, phase to end. There almost needs a collapse of that, a total breakdown to return to the first phase of living in harmony and in balance with mother earth. And we're at the beginning of this transition phase. Like, I feel like that's why we're here, why you're here. We're talking about this. I'm here is to help, you know, nurse and nurture that transition for the coming generations. So I, so, so sorry, oh, one last thought is, yes. so to, the short answer to your question is this time was coming and it's happened. That's one belief system of how long ago it happened. And there's many others, you know, Hopis and the Mayan calendar talked about this around 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do think it's not so much about the, oh gosh, being able to see it in a linear, like point in time, but um, that throughout different teachings, religious or cultural teachings, it has been mentioned that that cycle, right? The cycle of, of life or, you know, again, rebirth or the collapsing and then rebirthing. And um, I mean, even civilizations and, and we've been through extinction events before on this earth and then, you know, rebirthing and seemingly coming back stronger with better in some ways and then of course then exposing the ways in which we've not been better and and um so I I would venture to guess that gosh so many things running through my head at once one is that this this cycle because it is what it is and it has been named in different cultures and teachings and that that's just kind of how it's going to go. And that will probably repeat that over and over to what end and, and why I don't know a hundred percent, but um, are we going to change it to that where we stay in some state of balance and peace and happiness? Like, what does that even look like? Cause it sounds like we're always shifting. Like it's always morphing and changing that. What is that, that, perfect existence or place or way of being is does it exist is it supposed to exist or or is it more of we're supposed to go through these cycles and hopefully um just like the cycles of life learn learn from these experiences to constantly evolve towards something greater or greater or higher consciousness um do you have thoughts on that 
That is such a great question to emphasize that we each have our own answer to that through our own experiences. The, the way that we've agreed to show up here, you know, and this, or um, at a soul level and then how we move through life. So I think that's really a question that's so unique to each person of how they would answer that. Um, you know, and I think for me, it's uh, my personal way I would answer the question is it's, um, it's the back and forth movement. It's the, you know, the, the rhythm of living, like we need a lot of structure, but we can soften it with grace. We need some process to make this easier. We don't need to overconsume. you know, there's, there's sort of, you know, I, I, um, you know, we need to troubleshoot this. There's something beautiful about the unknown, you know, and there's the, it's a more of a weaving back and forth of how we move through life. Like, Oh, I hear you. And this has been a problem you've lived with for generations. And, but we have a place to make a change. How would we do this differently? You know, it's this continual kind of movement, like with the tide of moving in and out, you need both of those. You need the sun as much as you need the moon, you know, right. you, so I, for me, that's what it means. Interesting. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it all out myself, <laughs> you know, or um, what is in day-to-day -day choices um, of showing up better as an individual or trying to evolve and let go of um, past trauma or generational trauma, um, trying to heal that and show up as a better individual, trying to do your part to live your life in a way that feels in alignment with your, with your soul and with your higher power. All of that on the individual level, I think is what we can do. And, and that being mindful of that feminine energy right now, um, in the long run, what do I think an ideal civilization looks like that is living in harmony and balance? I don't know, because you know, sometimes I look at governance and I think there's nothing good about governance, but you, but without it, it's also not good. So it's like how, how to find that balance. Like you're saying, like, where do you weave in and take pieces of it and come back out? And it's able to be utilized in a way that is in line for, for everyone, or will it be in line with everyone, you know, yeah. what they feel? I don't know. It's just interesting to think about, but, um, and I definitely think that beautiful things can arise out of collapses or destruction or disease or whatever it might be that looks horrible that it often gives rise to something more beautiful. And that's not to say that the only way to have something beautiful is to go through something horrible. I don't agree with that either because I think also beautiful things and growth can arise from wonderful, joyous, beautiful experiences. Um, and sometimes they're hand in hand. I think a good example of that is probably childbirth. <laughs> you know, you have both together. Um, and what comes out of that is something pretty darn amazing. And so it's, it's a lot to think about and a lot to look at. And I just always enjoy getting um, like-minded people's uh and even un, un, not like-minded people's perspective on it, you know, and just to see where everybody's mind is with this process right now, as well as to put these this little nugget of information out there for those who are ready to hear it, want to hear it, or maybe down the line when they are, they'll tap into it and think, you know, kind of get the ball rolling for them, how that might um, transfer, transform their own life in a positive way. So, I really appreciate you taking the time today to, to share your experiences, your perspectives, your um, the things you feel called to do right now and why. I, I think it's, um, again, something that I just enjoy speaking about and engaging in conversation about 
because I think it's really needed right now. And I think everybody needs that little boost maybe, or that little spark to get the, them um, learning how to heal and honor and, and show up in this world as their better version of themselves, not just for their own highest good, but for the collective highest good. So I appreciate that. I'm just thinking, you know, as I sit here with you hearing these, these questions of like, well, what, what is my role and, and the, you know, bringing harmony into the world, you're doing it right here. These conversations you have, you know, raising your daughter and, and showing her all the options she has as a, a woman in this world you know, and you're, you are that light. And I feel like as each person keeps their candle lit Mm -hmm. and just even bridging their inner world and their outer world, that lights other candles and that lights other candles. And so you become a ripple effect. And so you are an important role in this transition. So you're bringing that. So even those little things that you may not notice, you know, I'm, I'm going to plant a garden and, and instead of, you know, realize so much on, or I'm going to go to the farmer's market instead of going to the local chain grocery store, you know, it's all those little subtle shifts that, that add up. So you, you are a candle, your podcast is a candle, your guests are a candle. And so you keep lighting more candles through this. So thank you for having me. And hopefully that resonates with your listeners in terms of how they can bring harmony in their lives and, and be a part of this exciting time. Thank you, Erica. That's, that just feels really good to hear because I do think, you know, often we hear people say, well, what can I do? Even if it's just, you know, complaining or about world events or feeling frustrated with something, what can I do? And it just seems so big, right. And so overwhelming. And I think, you said it beautifully. It's 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 um, keeping your light bright through the things that may seem like the littlest of smallest of decisions, but just honoring each of those each day and keeping your light bright and having that ripple effect. I think is how the greater change is made, and it really does come down to those choices that we each make and those conversations that we have and the courage it takes to do that and I think so often the universe or or whatever you want to call it sends us these little nudges or throws someone across our path in life that's there to say hey we need your light in this world or hey come come down here and look at this it might not make sense to you but I'm telling you there's something here that's really it, it you're the one for this path, you know? And so I, I do, um, I do agree with you that it's all of our lights together, just make everything brighter and, and lighting each other's candles. So I thank you for doing that work as well. And I will have in the show notes for everybody, all the ways that you can connect with Erica on social media, through her website, through her podcast called Soulful Soundbites. I have listened to several episodes and I love them because they're, they are like little bites, right? So soulful sound bites are just like taking a little bite of, of something to think about that day or something to take into your life and try to practice or apply. And um, it's always good food for thought. So I really appreciate that. Is there anything you want to say about your, your podcast? You said everything so beautifully. Food for thought. <laughs> I was thinking in my head. She said, "Food for thought." That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I look at them like little. Um, you know, we can all have our little protein bars or you know energy bites. Those everything that we carry around to eat really quick, so we don't tank. And I kind of think of it like that. It's like, ooh, this nice little bite of of something to think about or to try to you know. Um, bring into my day when I, when I listen to those. So I encourage everybody to check it out. I think you could find something there for, for each of you. And there's a whole variety of topics. And so it's just nice to, I kind of peruse through and pick one that feels like that's what I need to kind of tap into today. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time 
to be here and I look forward to connecting with you again. Oh, thanks, Michelle. You are such a treat to speak with and truly feel honored to be in this space with you. And I do feel like we're kindred spirits. So yes. it was so easy and natural to, to talk with you and your audience. So thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Erica today. I really felt like it was wonderful to go so deep with her about not only her offerings as a practitioner, but also this concept of feminine energy, feminine energy rising, and how and why it's needed in the world right now. I love learning more about this subject and I really appreciated her perspective on it. I encourage you to look into this. See if you can look online, get some books, maybe look up what those balanced energies, the masculine and feminine energy, what that means to be balanced, what it looks like when it's a little out of balance, and what things can we choose to do in our lives to bring that into balance. It's those little things that we can choose to do every day that will make a big impact and cause a ripple effect. And I truly believe that we change the world by changing ourselves. So I just really hope you feel inspired to do that. I also encourage you to check out Erica's podcast. That's Soulful Soundbites. You can find that on any podcasting platform. You'll find links to that in the show notes. And as well, check out her website, sparkpathhealing.com. You can learn more about what she has to offer there in her, her um, depth hypnosis, her shamanic practices, and her sacred circles for women. I really appreciate you listening today. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please feel free to share it or subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. You can rate and review the podcast. That helps me attract more like-minded listeners. I really appreciate all of you again. Much love to you all.